Welcome to Equipus Christchurch. Equipus Church is a whole lot of friends championing one another to go higher in Christ. For more details, check out our website at equipuschurch.com forward slash Christchurch. How are we doing this morning? We're good. A very warm welcome to church. We haven't met yet. Uh, my name's Jono, and it's a pleasure to, to bring you the word today. Who knows what today is? It's Sunday. Switched on. You guys are, you guys are smart fellas. Uh, it is Sunday today, and we are launching our theme for the year, Free People, which, to be fair, we've been talking about launching for quite some time now, right? So hopefully for some of you, it was a bit of a feeling of like, finally, we're here. Uh, and, and so today we're going to be talking uh, about something that we're really expecting for, which is the freedom that God has for us, not just in this year, but the freedom that God has for us all the time, but that we're going to be particularly looking at this year. Yeah, that we're really believing, we're, we're praying that, that 2024 is a year in which we encounter more of the freedom that Christ has for us. You know, we, we believe as a people that we're called to live unrestricted lives in Christ. And, and, and as a church, as a people of faith, we want that to be more than just words, more than just a set of ideas, right? We can all kind of say the right thing and be like, yeah, yeah, it is for freedom that Christ is free. That's amazing. Those are good things to say, but we want it to be more than just an idea. We want it to be something that we live in, that an experienced reality, that, that we are free to follow in what Jesus has for us, free to follow our Savior, free to drop the walls of, of self-protection and, and, and past hurt, free to live as free people. Well, I don't know if that excites you a little bit today. Maybe, maybe just think about it for a little bit and for a moment. What would, what would a free you look like in 2024? Not to focus on the things that are restricting you, but, but maybe to, to, to dare to dream a little bit. What could happen? What could God do if the things that were holding you back, your, your fears, your insecurities, your, your past hurts, the lies that others have said about you, what if you were able to come out from under them and pursue what God has for you? What if this year could be a year marked by freedom for us, corporately and individually? That's the idea, and that's what we want to explore over the next four weeks, but really we're going to be looking at it over the, the coming year. And I do want to encourage you, as, as Nick already did, freedom is something that we, we encounter individually, but we also experience collectively. And so can I, can I encourage you, can I invite you, uh, grab one of those free people journals if, if you're like, I'm just going to lose that. It's also all available online if you go to equipperschurch.com forward slash egroups or backslash, I never remember which way the slash goes, but you can work that out, right? Uh, and go there, it's every day is up online and we'll be posting the, the daily devotionals up online on social media as well. But can I encourage you to do three things, yeah? Is that all right? Three things? Last week, Dave gave you homework. This isn't homework, but it's a, uh, an invitation. It's, it's homework. It's just branded differently, right? Three things. Uh, three things. The first thing is, is journal every day, right? Get into that devotional. Read it. It's not too long. Ponder over a little bit. Could it be that God wants to speak to you, not just on a Sunday, though I hope he does that, but every day of the week? And so grab that. Go through that. The second thing is, is be a part of an e-group. Be a part of a company of people that, that are pursuing God together. Maybe be humble enough to embrace the reality that we cannot follow God on our own. That following Jesus is something we decide for ourselves, but it's not something we do on our own. You have a personal relationship with Jesus. No one can follow Jesus for you, but it's something that we live out in community. And so set yourself up for a win this year in 2024 and put yourself in community. 
If you're wondering about how to do that, simply go to the, the help desk out in the foyer. That's the one next to our fancy, shiny, new digital sign. It looks beautiful, right? Go, go there and just say, hey, I'd like to join an e-group, and we can help you to do that. There's a number of e-groups meeting throughout the city, or maybe you'll be a part of the solution for yourself and others. And you're like, none of those times or places work for me. I want to meet at 10 p.m. on a Saturday night, right? I don't imagine that's anyone. But if that is you, you could set up that e-group, and maybe you'll find there are other people who are like, yeah, that is the perfect time for me as well, right? Or maybe you'll find that you need to be a little more flexible and go to a different e-group time. Either way, you're welcome, and we hope that you get into community. And number three, uh, keep on showing up. Keep on doing what you're doing today. Come in and sit under the preached Word of God, not because whoever is preaching is amazing, uh, inside knowledge, they're not, right? But God is for this Sunday. Last Sunday, they were amazing. Just a holy man of God, sanctified, set apart, an image of Christ, right? But it's a beautiful beard. But this Sunday, fallible man, right? We, we've got to range a spectrum. But come along because the Word of God is good, and it lands in us and it brings life. Yeah, so three things. Get involved in that daily devotional. Read your journal. Be a part of an e-group and come along on Sunday. And we believe if you do do those three things, at the very least you'll have a bunch of fun. And hopefully our prayer is that God meets you in that and your lives are transformed like our lives are transformed. Yeah, is that good? Awesome. Turn uh, with me if you have your Bibles. Or uh, we're going to put it up on the screen. We're going to turn to Galatians chapter 5 because that was a long introduction and I still haven't even prayed that God would be with us. So we're going to read the Bible, then I'll pray, and then we'll get into it. Galatians chapter 5, it it says this. This is Paul writing to the church in Galatia. He says, For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, Use your freedom to serve one another in love. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. But if you're always biting and devouring one another, watch out. Be aware of destroying one another. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us the desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under the obligation to the law of Moses. Let me bow your heads with me and let's pray. God, I thank you for today. God, I thank you for, for this group of people who would choose to place themselves in, in an opportunity of encountering you. God, we didn't come here today just to sing some songs and drink some coffee. We came here to meet with you. And so I pray today as, as your word goes out that it would land in our hearts, that it would change us, that it would edify us, that it would encourage us, that we would leave here different, more aware of the freedom that you have for us and better equipped to pursue what you have for us. Pray today it would not be my words or my ideas, but that you would speak. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Can I tell you a story? I'm going to set a scene for you. I want to ask you to close your eyes because some people might fall asleep. So instead, keep your eyes open, but, but engage your imagination. See with your mind's eye, if you will. The scene unfolds upon a cold mountain range, bathed in, in the silver glow of midnight. The snow, pristine and untouched, gleams, gleams in the moonlight, a a desolate canvas unwarmed by human presence. A biting wind howls through the peaks. Amidst this wintry tempest, a solitary figure emerges. Hunkered over, they battle the elements, each step a slow and arduous trudge towards the mountain's unforgiving peak. 
A backwards glance reveals the home they left behind, the distance rendering an entire life diminutive, almost insignificant. They turn back, resolved to continue their climb. On the wind, their, their mutterings are carried, a, a declaration echoing in the frosty air. It's time. It's time to, to see what I can do. It's time to test the limits and break through. No right, no wrong, no rules for me. I'm free. Some of you are deeply confused, and some of you are ready to break into song, right? Because in 2013, Disney released the smash hit Frozen. And, and aunts and uncles, grandpas and grandmas, mums and dads have been forced to listen to Adina Menzel on repeat ever since. No right, no wrong, no rules for me. I'm free. Actually, that sink in for a moment. That did just happen, right? You can be like, yeah, okay. That's some, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate it. <laughs> no right, no wrong, no rules for me. I'm free. I think you'd be hard-pressed to find maybe a, a, a better summary for our culture's view of freedom than that, right? Popular wisdom is that the good life is just being able to do whatever you want, whenever you want to do it, to, to live spontaneously, to, to be true to ourselves. And so freedom is simply being able to do whatever we want, whenever we want it, which sounds quite nice, doesn't it? Like, it sounds fairly attractive. I want to be able to do what I want when I want to do it. I don't like people telling me what to do. No right, no wrong, no rules for me. I'm free, right? Like, and then she shoots ice out of her hands, and it's a, it's a moment. And it's, a, you know, might be technically true that freedom might be being able to do whatever we want, but it's not actually practically true in any sort of way, is it? Go with me on a thought experiment for a moment. Imagine uh, you're driving west down Tuam Street. Right now, for those of you who are like, I, I don't understand, Tuam Street is, is a one-way road that travels east, except for the very end, right? So don't, it's not that bit. Don't imagine that bit. I was going to say, imagine you're driving on St. Asaph Street, but then I was worried that I was going to, it would sound like I was swearing in church. I just said it anyway, so it doesn't really matter. But you're driving one way, the wrong way, down a one-way street. Now, are you free to do that? Technically, Right? Technically, you can. You are free to, to drive your car however you might want to drive your car. But the reality is as soon as you act on that freedom, your freedom is all of a sudden going to start getting in the way of other people's freedoms, right? I don't know if you've ever had that experience where someone has turned the wrong way down a one-way street. Just yesterday, we're in a parking building, and uh, we all followed a stream of cars, and we all turned. Christian was there with us, right? We turned into the wrong way. All of a sudden, we found we were at a dead end with nowhere to go because the car in the front of the line had turned the wrong way at the top of the ramp. We're like, we are stuck. And so we had to all gradually back. It was, it was an exercise in patience, right? It was, it was a moment. Because the thing is, is you can act on your freedom. You can be free to do whatever you want to do. But as soon as you act on your freedom, you might find that that freedom becomes restricted. If you drive the wrong way down Tom Street, you'll be free to do that for a while. But if you persist in pursuing that freedom, you'll find it can have a significant impact on your longer term freedom. Right? You cannot drive anywhere from a jail cell. You'll find that your, your, your choices have been restricted quite a bit. On another tag, right? are you free to choose whatever job you want to do? Yeah. Dream dreams, right? Like, let's, whatever you might want to do, you can dream to do. But in one sense, you're free. But in the other sense, I can't just decide that I want to be a surgeon, walk into an operating room, and pick up a scalpel. And we're all glad of that fact, I hope, right? <laughs> to become a surgeon, and, and there are some people in the room who, who have some felt experience with this, right? To become a medical professional, you have to undergo a whole lot of study. 
You have to practice. You have to, to engage. You have to, maybe we could say, embrace restraint. There are some things that you cannot do for a while. You can't live the life that you want to live and study for your exams, I'm assuming, right? Someone's sitting an exam on Tuesday, tomorrow, Monday. I'm praying for it, right? So, so there are, sure, freedom is maybe being able to do whatever you want to do, but as soon as we start to apply that in practical ways, we find that that's not really true. Freedom starts to become a little slipperier to, to define. See, I'd suggest that freedom is actually a bit of a puzzle. At a glance, it seems straightforward, but the longer that we look at it, the more there is to it. And, and so this year, if we're declaring, hey, we're a free people, we want to live in the freedom that, that God has for us, I want to ask the question, what is freedom? Right, like if, if Paul, if we read the words of Paul, and he says, you've been called to live in freedom, what does Paul mean? Like is this Paul's moment on the mountain, gown kind of waving in the wind as he shoots ice from his fingertips? No, right, no, no. Some of you are like, I can never think of the Apostle Paul the same again. I would suggest maybe no. So a good place to start is to ask, what does the Bible actually say about freedom? What is a biblical model of freedom? And probably the most obvious place to start is the Exodus. The Exodus is the story of the, the Israelites escaping slavery from Egypt. But it's, it's more than that. It's also the story of who God is. That God is a God of liberation, that God is a God of freedom, that God is a God who hears the cries of his people and meets them in their captivity to bring them out of it. And in the Jewish calendar, Passover was kind of the ultimate freedom festival because it celebrated the Exodus. It remembered when God rescued his people. And, and, and so it's no accident that when Jesus in his earthly ministry comes to bring that ministry to a head, he does it at, at Passover. This moment when all of Israel is gathered together celebrating what God had done and hoping for what God would do. It's in this context that Jesus steps in and brings a truer freedom, not just from the, the slavery or oppression of an empire of, of a momentary slavery, but the slavery behind all oppression, the power of sin. Jesus comes to say, I've come to set you free, not just free for a moment, but, but true freedom. See, the message of the cross is that Jesus came to bring freedom. As Paul says in Galatians chapter 5, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Which brings me back to the Exodus. Right? If we're talking about what is freedom, I'm like, okay, so it's, it's not just being able to do whatever I want. It's something that Jesus has for us. But what does that actually look like? Well, if we come back to the Exodus, before God uses Moses who's the leader that he appoints to bring the people out of Israel, before he appoints Moses to lead the people into freedom, Moses has his own crack at it. Moses, is, he sees what's going on and, and, and he, he sees the problem and he says, I need to be a part of solving this. And I think the contrast between the two shows us a lot about what freedom is. And so one day Moses, who is an Israelite, but has been raised in the Egyptian royal house, he sees an Israelite being oppressed and something in him goes, this is wrong. This is not how it, it should be. Someone's lacking their freedom, an Israelite slave. And so his solution is he chooses to take their freedom for them. The, the way that he does this quite practically is he kills the Egyptian slave master who was abusing the Israelite. He goes for this quick and easy solution, but it doesn't actually bring about any freedom. The reason that it doesn't bring about any freedom is because while the slave master is dead, the Israelite is still a slave. The actual status hasn't changed. He, he hasn't actually changed anything. If anything, he's made things harder. He has tempted to solve a problem by addressing the symptom, not the cause. And I think for a lot of us, we can recognize in life where we're not as free as we would like to be because we see the symptoms. 
We address the symptoms. We say things like, oh, I don't, I don't like how worried I get. I know that I'm, I'm, I'm restrained, I'm, I'm hemmed in by my anxiety. I don't like how worried I get or, or I hate how angry I can get, which is often actually just an expression of worry in a different sort of way. Right? Or, or maybe I, I wish that I was, I was happier. These are all important things, but can I suggest that they're more smoke than fire? Right? They are symptoms of the problem, but they are not the problem itself because freedom, true freedom, isn't just an external work. It's internal. We need freedom from more than just killing the Egyptian slave driver. We need freedom from the empire of sin itself. And, and so we see this again after God has, has brought about what Moses was trying to do. The nation of Israel is freed from Egypt. And as soon as they're across the Red Sea, and I promise at some stage this year, we're going to have to have a final service where we talk about the Prince of Egypt, right? It's just, it's just, it's got to happen. And so as soon as they're across the, the Red Sea, having escaped from Egypt, the people start to grumble that they haven't got enough to eat and drink. And, and this sets the pattern for the next 40 years because it's only a short step from gratitude to grumbling. The people are externally free, but internally they're not free yet. And it's all too human to embrace temporary comfort at long-term cost. To yearn, as we see in Numbers 11, for the onions and leeks of Egypt, even though it goes hand in hand with oppression and slavery. See, the, the, the people of Israel needed freedom, but not just externally, they needed it internally. We could say it this way, as the theologian N.T. Wright puts it, uh, you can take Israel out of Egypt, but it is much harder to take Egypt out of Israel. Let me say that again, because N.T. Wright's going to say it better than anything that I'll say today, right? You can take Israel out of Egypt, but it is much harder to take Egypt out of Israel. And Paul, in a lot of his writings to the early church, this is exactly kind of the idea, the experience that, that he's speaking to. In Romans chapter 6, 7, and 8, he tells us the story of, of being in Christ, of coming to faith in Jesus, of understanding his love for us as, as a new exodus, the story of a new exodus. And in landing this whole idea in chapter 8, he essentially says that the point of freedom is to not go back to slavery to not to return to, to Egypt. He says that we didn't receive a spirit of slavery to live in fear again, but instead we received a spirit of sonship. Because here's the problem. It, it's one thing to stop being a slave. It's another thing entirely to learn how to be a child of God. And so when we talk about free people, we're not just saying, hey, you're not a slave anymore. Go live a happy life. It's going to be amazing. We're saying there is an invitation more than just not to be enslaved to something anymore. There is an invitation to receive a new identity as a child of God, to realize who you truly are and all that means for you and those around you. Paul, when he's writing again to the church in, in Corinth, to the Corinthians, they're struggling with this too in a different way though. They're like, okay, so, so you were kind of under the law. They're not Jewish in, in background. And so they're like, you had, as Jewish people, as Israelites, you had the law. You were following the law. But now you're telling me that there's something more than the law. So, like, do we not have to follow the law anymore? Some people are saying we do. Some people are saying we don't. We're really confused. We're quite, quite a, an issue for us, quite a priority, because part of the law is circumcision. And some of us are middle-aged men, and that doesn't sound like a good time, right? To land it quite practically. I think some of the middle-aged men in the room are like, yeah, I can understand that uh, it's a fair question to ask, right? Next Sunday, I'll be talking about how we need to all get circumcised again, and we'll be doing it practically after the service. It's not true. It's not true. That's a lie. Read Corinthians if you're worried about whether you need to or not, right? But Paul's response to this question of, hey, what about the law? Should we follow the law? What does this mean? 
is he says, yeah, yeah, maybe you don't have to follow the law anymore. True, you're not under the law. True, this doesn't, it doesn't kind of, it's not the law for you. And so, yeah, I guess technically you can do whatever you want, but remember, not all things are helpful. He says you might be able to justify doing whatever you want. You might be free to do those things, but will the things that you're doing help you in pursuing freedom for yourselves and others? Really, Paul is asking, what is freedom? And here's the thing, pure freedom is just an idea. Freedom in its most pure form can only exist as a concept, can, can only exist as an idea because acting on any freedom introduces some sort of restraint. The, the only time you're 100% free is when you haven't made a decision. And we know this at a bone deep level. It's why some of us struggle to make decisions. Because we're like, if I choose to do this, I'm saying no to this, right? If I choose to have Marmite on toast, I cannot have jam on my toast. The two do not go together. I have to make a decision. What if I eat the Marmite and then I really pine for the jam? I want to say God's grace is enough for two pieces of toast. But start with the jam and finish with the Marmite. That's just common sense, right? I won't hear a debate about it. <laughs> this is official church position. But we know it at a, a bone deep level, right? As soon as we've chosen to do something, we've, we've taken one course of action and in doing so, we've had to say no to a bunch of others. For example, when, when Emma married me, some of you are laughing, I haven't even got there yet. She embraced restraint, right? Maybe more restraint than she realized at, at the time of, of making the vows was, was going to be required from her, but she embraced restraint. And, and one of the restraints she embraced was to forsake all others. I want to say, Em had options, right? We went to a wedding once, and, um, and she was a bridesmaid, so she was kind of, you know, everyone could see her, and, and I was hiding in the background. And, and a certain famous All Black was also in attendance at the wedding, and he started asking after her. And I do want to be clear, it was, was not our wedding. That would be very rude. Right? Like, the bride's quite pretty. Is she, is she doing anything later on this week or was it, right? But I'm just saying, Em had options. She had to forsake all others. And I think, luckily, she made, obviously, the, the best choice that she could have. But marriage isn't some sort of restrictive, uh, oppressive thing. Right, and embracing restraint in marriage and choosing to forsake all others, there's a whole different level of freedom to be found. There's a relationship that can grow in the safety and the intimacy of a place of saying, hey, I'm choosing you. I'm forsaking everyone else. As Dave spoke to last week, I'm making a covenant with you. This isn't a contract. This isn't you do this and I do that. This is we are pursuing relationship intentionally together. You know, unfortunately, we see this in the negative too. If we use our freedom to just do whatever we want, as maybe culture would tell us we should, if we just be true to ourselves, if we just behave however we feel, then when you're angry, just let that spiral, right? There's no need to pursue forgiveness because why deny yourself? Why do something that feels uncomfortable? If you're jealous, ride that jealousy. Just let it sink in because there's no restraint. Lust, go for it. Selfishness, probably a virtue. The problem is, is we can only choose for so long. If we use our freedom to dive headlong into a destructive life of anger and envy and selfishness and spite, then eventually those things will enslave us. At some stage, we will become anger. We will become envy. We will become selfishness or spite. By that I mean at some stage, we will not, able to st we will not be able to stop being angry or envious or selfish or spiteful even when we want to. We've met people like this. 
someone who's locked in such a, a cycle of, of anger or bitterness, and you can see it is destroying their life. They are in the middle of something horrible, and surely something deep within them aches for freedom, but they don't know how to get out. They're entrenched in that way of being. And so I say this to suggest it's not like we're choosing freedom or restraint. The options in front of us are not, hey, live a free life doing whatever you want to do or choose to embrace restraints. It's simply what do we choose to enslave ourselves to? Which restraints do we choose to embrace? Maybe if we're not intentionally embracing restraint, we're having restraint forced upon us. Practically, we all follow, we all serve something or someone. To quote Bob Dylan, it may be the devil or it may be the Lord, but you've got to serve somebody. I don't know if you had a Bob Dylan quote on your bingo card this morning. But it's a great song. You can go and look it up after the service. Now you've got two things. You can watch Frozen and you can listen to Serve Somebody by Bob Dylan. Back to the Bible though. As we read in Galatians chapter 5 verse 13, he says, For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. But don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. Essentially, he says, we've been freed, so use that freedom for others. Serve one another in love. Some versions go on to say, through love, become slaves to one another. See, now, Paul's not just saying this because it's a nice way to behave. Right? Like, this isn't the Paul equivalent of your mom telling you to share your Christmas presents with your cousins because sharing is caring. Right? And really, we just don't have room or, or time for a fight on Christmas Day. It's not just a nice thing to do. This is the only way to stay free. See, see here's the paradox. Here's, here's the rub of it. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. And true freedom is found not just in being free, but living free. Not just freedom in a moment, but a life of freedom. Not just freedom for a moment, but living in freedom. And that sort of freedom, a life of freedom, a sustained freedom, isn't found in a self-focused, self-preferring life, but in learning to lay down our freedom for others. This is counterintuitive, right? It doesn't make sense. But, but Paul here isn't just giving some sort of airy speech. Like He's not just writing letters. He's like, oh, I'll tell this church to do that. Yeah, it's going to be hard. It'll be fun to see how they do that, right? Good luck with that, Galatians. It's not what's happening here. Paul lived this. You know, if we, if we go to, to Acts chapter 16, we, think, we find Paul and Silas in jail. And, and often when we read this passage, we focus on their singing in captivity, which is awesome. But I want to direct your attention to something else that happens here. Acts chapter 16 Verses 25 to 30, it's on the screen behind me. It might be familiar to some of you. It says this, around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and, and the other prisoners were listening. Suddenly, there was a massive earthquake and the prison was shaken to its foundations. All the doors immediately flew open and the chains of every prisoner fell off. The jailer woke up to see the prison doors wide open. He assumed the prisoners had escaped, so he drew his sword to kill himself, but Paul shouted to him, stop, don't kill yourself, we're all here. Just pausing for a moment, the jail doors are open, right? They are in captivity, not just like a, a figurative captivity, not the type of enslavement that we're going to be talking about where all of us are fortunate enough to live in a country where we're not restricted in our, our practical freedom. They are literally confined in a jail cell in chains. The doors fly open in a divine act of deliverance. They're free, but what do they do? 
right? They don't jump up and run out like, whew, that's awesome. Sucks to be the jailer. That they use their freedom not to their own advantage, but they sit and they wait. In their freedom, they embrace restraint. And in doing so, what happens? Well, we continue reading that the jailer called for the lights and ran to the dungeon and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? See, here's what I want you to see. The jailer finds freedom, but it is a far greater freedom than just freedom from prison. The jailer in this moment finds the freedom of salvation. And so I wonder of, of every possible outcome that day, what is the freest? In, in which turn of events is the most freedom expressed, the greatest level of freedom expressed for, for, uh, experience for the most people? It's not Paul and Silas jumping up and running out of jail, taking their freedom and going on their own way. It's in them being free, but laying down that freedom. And in doing so, not only are they free, not only do they walk out of that jail, but the jailer and his entire household find true freedom. Freedom that is greater than a momentary relief from captivity. The freedom of knowing a God who knows them truly and loves them deeply. Which brings us back to our question as the band joins me today. What is freedom? Right? Is, is freedom, as, as Elsa said, being able to do whatever we want? Right? And, and, and the words of Elsa, no right, no wrong, no rules for me, I'm free. But well, Paul would definitely suggest not. And in fact, I think Elsa would agree with him. Because while this is a catchy lyric, this isn't actually the theme of the movie. See, Let It Go, the song I referenced, the song that's now in your heads, and I apologize for that, is essentially Elsa's breakdown song. Right, to, to give you a, a quick recap of, of the movie, and, and if you haven't seen it yet, I apologize, but like, it's been over a decade, so there's a, there's a sequel. The sequel's good too. Uh, anyway, do I have young children? Yes, I do. So here Elsa is. She's been hiding in her castle, afraid her entire life. She's been trying to control everything, keeping everyone at a distance for, her, for fear of hurting anyone. And, and, and she loses control. She runs away and she sings this song because she's sick of hiding. She's sick of being afraid, which is fair enough. right? But, but then in this moment, in her fear and her hurt, she sets up exactly what she'd run from. She was hiding in a castle behind walls, not being close to anyone. And so she's living in fear. She now builds an ice palace to live in away from anyone else. She's free. She's able to live however she wants and, and use her powers however she wants, but only because she's isolated herself from everyone. And maybe today that's a, that's a word for someone here. That hiding from anyone getting close enough to hurt you isn't freedom from being hurt. True freedom is, is more than that. Hiding from anyone getting close enough to, to being able to hurt us is simply enslavement to fear. True freedom looks different. And God has true freedom for you. Not just hiding from being hurt, but living in a place where we know that God is good enough that we can trust Him with our hurts. I'd love to promise today that, that we won't be hurt, but that's not the world we live in. But we live in a world where God is good enough to come alongside us in our hurts, to meet us there, that His love might be bigger. And so back to Elsa, when, when finally her sister comes looking for her in this ice palace that she's made, she accidentally hurts her. It turns out that her freedom has only led to more hurt and pain. But that's not where the movie ends. There's a whole journey, there's a talking snowman, it's great. But the movie ends as they realize that the antidote to fear is, is love. 
that it's true love, that it's giving love. And Elsa realizes this when Anna, her sister, who she's hurt, the one she hurt and pushed away in pursuit of her own freedom, she jumps in front of a sword to save her. Right, her sister, you're like, that's a, a kid's movie? Yeah, like, just go with it, it works, right? Her sister gives up her life to save her and, and it all works out, no one, no one dies, it's fine. But Elsa turns to her and she says to her sister, Anna, you would sacrifice yourself for me, to which her sister simply replies, I love you. And it's this, demonst- this moment, this, this demonstration of love, of true love that the movie is all about. And I would suggest that's a far shot from no right, no wrong, no rules for me. I would suggest that Anna shows Elsa that freedom isn't running away to do whatever you want. True freedom is giving yourself up in love. It's not being ruled by fear. Instead, it's embracing the restraints of love. So what is freedom? I think freedom, true freedom, isn't freedom from. It's freedom for. Let me say that again. True freedom isn't freedom from. It's freedom for. It's freedom for love. It's freedom for relationship. It's freedom for beauty. It's freedom for creation. It's freedom for others. Because free people, free people, when we encounter freedom, the natural response to that is to say, hey, I found freedom. How can we help you to find freedom? And in the way that the kingdom works, as we encounter freedom and take freedom to others, we encounter more of the freedom that we desperately long for ourselves. And so over the coming weeks, we're going to be looking at that a little bit deeper. Next week, we're going to ask the question, how do we get free? And answer it now, but we'll unpack it next week. Freedom is found in identity. We already read it in Galatians, right? It's in going from a slave to a child of God, realizing who you are, but also realizing how to come into agreement with that. God, who are you and who am I? But it's actually not enough just to get free. How do we stay free? Well, freedom is not just found, but freedom persists. We, we keep free from a place of intimacy in realizing not just who God is and who we are once, but in living from that space, from a, a, a real life-giving relationship. And then finally, we'll, we'll circle back to what is freedom for? Freedom is for others. We want an inheritance of freedom. How do we live in such a way that, that not only are we free, but, but our our sons and daughters, our grandchildren, our our nieces and nephews, those that we love, those who will come after us, live more in the freedom that we've encountered, that we leave the world better than we found it. For those that we have the privilege of, of leading and doing life with. And like I said, as we're doing it all, please, our invitation and our encouragement is, is to read along in your journals, hard copy or online, to pray, to attend an e-group, to come along on Sundays, because freedom is something one for us. But freedom is also something that we walk into. We believe as a church, we're going to be walking into a new experience, a new level of freedom this year. We're not changing what God has done. God has done it all. But we're saying we can step into this in a new way, in a life-giving way. Our prayer, our belief is that you will be more free at the end of this year than you are right now. Not because we are amazing, but because God is and we are choosing to pursue the truth that He speaks over us. We want more freedom. We want so much freedom that it's enough for you your friends, your family, your workplace, your colleagues, even their neighbor down the road who you don't like all that much. I want freedom for them too.
that we would be a people who experience freedom and who share freedom. But today, to finish, as I invite you to stand to your feet, freedom is it's not just a concept. Freedom, as we've kind of spoken around today, as we've alluded to, but to put it as, as clearly as I can, freedom is a person. When we're not waiting on liberation from a nation, we're encountering the person of freedom. His name is Jesus. The person who would come to us in, in our sin and in our shame. Romans chapter 3, verse 23 says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. What does that mean? That means we have all enslaved ourselves to something other than God. Something restricts us. Something makes us less when we know that we are made to be more. And maybe we don't see the fire, but we smell the smoke. We see it in us in the ways that we behave, in our worry, in our anger, in our fear. Maybe even just in the the mutedness of life. Surely there's more. Friend, there's freedom for you. See, Jesus came to overcome the sin that stands in the way of us in true freedom, to set us free to live the life that we are made to live. And he did it by taking our sins, dying the death that, that sin had for us. But Jesus was not defeated by death. He didn't stay dead. The hope of the cross is that Jesus died on the cross, was buried in the grave, stayed there for three days, and then rose. Because plenty of people died. But there's only one person who goes to death willingly, takes on the death for us, defeats death, and then comes back to prove to us, to show to us, and to invite us into the reality that death does not defeat us. That sin does not have the last word. See, Jesus didn't come to make bad people good. He came so that dead people could live. He came to bring freedom. And so his head's about, his eyes are closed. As we start this series on freedom, we don't want anyone to miss the opportunity to trust Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, to realize that there is a freedom waiting for you on the other side of a relationship with Jesus. And so if you're here today and, and you've never chosen to trust Jesus as your Lord and Savior, or maybe you're here and you'd say, I know I've, I've prayed this prayer before, but I'm not living in freedom. It's not a case of, of saying it enough times or in the right way. But maybe today you simply need to choose to turn back, to choose to follow Jesus again. And so his heads are bowed and eyes are closed. In a moment, I'm going to invite you to pray a prayer with me. But just before I do, I'm going to count to three. And, and if this is you today and you're praying this prayer for the first time or, or it means something new and special to you today, I'd love you to raise your hand just so we know who we're praying with. Because while you follow Jesus for yourself, you do not follow Jesus on your own. And we want to journey with you into the freedom that God has for you. We want to support you in, in every and any way that you would like us to do that. So if that's you here today, say, I realize that I'm dead in my sin and my shame. I'm not free. I'm not as free as I could be. I want to trust Jesus in a new way or for the first time. Would you raise your hand and let me know in three, two, one. Awesome. I see hands already. I see their hand. Others here today, I see their hand. Say, hey, today I want to trust Jesus. Maybe you've prayed this prayer before, but you're just choosing to trust again. For you, you're choosing to remind yourself, I'm free. Jesus came for me. He died for me. He defeated death in the grave. He rose again on the third day, and in Him I can find freedom. If that's you one more time, just raise your hand up nice and high. I don't want to miss anyone today. 
online, if that's you as well, you can respond. Church, would you pray this prayer after me? Jesus, today I choose to follow you. I'm sorry for the things that have enslaved me, but today I choose to not trust them, but to trust you. Thank you that you came, you made a way, dying the death that sin would have so I could live. Would you help me in following you? Give me your spirit that I might walk with you and trust you in freedom and in love. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Check out our website at equipuschurch.com forward slash Christchurch. 